0: morning. I'd like you to join me in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 20. As you're turning, I just want to remind you that we have a chapel blog. The uh, website is in, in the bulletin. You can get a link from our webpage to it. It's an opportunity where we can kind of give some information, sometimes more information about the messages we uh, have on there, information about current events or current issues, and kind of giving a biblical perspective on those I'm really pushing it because uh, the blog that goes in tomorrow morning I wrote and I want you to read it Uh, my wife saw it and said it was awesome so if you have similar comments you can add those on the blog go there read it it's a great opportunity to uh, supplement what you're learning here in the context where you can interact with It's no secret that families are fragmenting at an alarming rate. The average marriage in America lasts seven and a half years. You say, well, at least people are learning from their mistakes. No, they're not. Because 60% of all second marriages fail. Someone has calculated it out to give us some perspective, that every 30 seconds there is a divorce in America. And as of about 20 years ago, children can now legally divorce their parents. Those kinds of statistics have all the modern social engineers struggling to find new answers. What I, want us to remind, or what I want to remind us of this morning is that the answer is not new. The answer was written on one of the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. And it's recorded in our Bibles in chapter 20 and verse 12, where we read, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And before we jump into this commandment to apply it, I just want us to notice three general things about it. Number one, it's unconditional. It's unconditional. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they were never hypocritical. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they were always right. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they were perfect parents. There are no perfect parents. We all have weaknesses. We all make mistakes. We all fail. We all, to some degree or another, are dysfunctional. The only perfect parent is God. But with that obvious backdrop, God says you are to honor your father and mother, period. some of you may have parents who abandoned you or abused you. I don't want to minimize that. It's a serious thing to mistreat a child. Jesus said it would be better for that person to have a millstone hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea. But as we look at this fifth commandment, it's not conditional. Even where the person Fails, we are still to honor their position. When I stand before a judge and call him your honor, I'm not making an assessment of his character, I am giving honor to his position. This commandment is unconditional. Second, it's beneficial. In fact, as Paul looked back at the Ten Commandments from the perspective of Ephesians 6-2, he said, this is the first commandment with a promise. The first one that has a promise. And what is the promise? The promise is long days. And I think we can apply that two ways. Number one, we can apply that nationally. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, they had just come out of Egypt and they were about to go into the promised land. And so the promise is that if they honored their parents, their days would be long in the land. And I think we can make that same application to any nation today. Obedient children are a national treasure. Because today's children are tomorrow's leaders. And when our children grow up honoring their parents, they bring strength and longevity to the entire nation. So there's a national application. There's also an individual application. Because when Paul referred to this fifth commandment in Ephesians 6, 3, he quoted the promise a little different. He said, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So what's the promise individually? If you honor your parents, you will have quality of life, it will be well with you. And you will have quantity of life, you will live long on the earth. And isn't that really a general principle? Sin robs us. Sin robs us of quality of life, and often, or always quality of life, and sometimes quantity of life. And obedience always enriches our lives. And then the third general thing I want to say here is that this commandment is foundational. we said before that the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The last six deal with our relationship with people. The first four commandments are vertical. The last six are horizontal. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the first commandment on the horizontal level is honor your father and your mother. The first commandment vertically was no other gods before me put me first. That was foundational to the first four The last six begin with honor your father and mother. Why? Because that is foundational to all of your horizontal living. Let me give you two reasons why. Respect for authority begins at home. This is a critical lesson you have to learn. And if a child does not learn this lesson at home, that child will not do well in school, will not do well at work, will not do well in life. A child that grows up saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do, is going to have a hard time keeping a job. A child that grows up saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do, is going to have a hard time staying out of jail. In fact, that's the reason why I think in the next chapter, chapter 21 and verse 15, the Bible says, he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And then two verses later, it says, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. When children didn't learn respect for their parents at home, God just took them out of society. Why? Because if you don't learn this principle there, you're not going to be a contributing member to society. It's foundational. And then let me give you a second reason I think it's foundational. It's foundational because right relationships have to start at home. What's the first relationship you ever had? It's with your parents. And that is a major factor in forming your life. In fact, I would say it's the foundation for all other relationships. If you have that relationship right, you will have other relationships right. If you have that relationship wrong, you will generally have other relationships wrong. Many marriages are ruined because a spouse never learned to relate to his parents. So he's always saying things like, you're just like my mom. That should be a compliment if you have a right relationship with your mom. Let's see, if you don't have a right relationship with her, you're not going to have a right relationship with anybody else. I coach young men who are looking for prospective wives, which is about 99% of them, to pay special attention to a young lady and how she relates to her. Because if she will not submit to her parents, guess what? She will never submit to me. This is foundational truth. Now, having said that, let's look at what it means. What does it mean to honor your father and mother? The Hebrew word for honor comes from a verb that means to be heavy. It means literally to give weight to. So when you honor your parents, you value them, you esteem them, you revere them, you see that they carry a lot of weight in your life. Now, how do you honor your father and your mother? Well, we need to understand that this takes on different aspects and different stages of life. Someone has said that there are four stages to a man's life. Stage number one, he believes in Santa Claus. Stage number two, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Stage number three, he is Santa Claus. And stage number four, he looks like Santa Claus. There are different stages in life, and I want us to look at this commandment in terms of three stages of life. Stage number one is a child. How do you honor your parents as a child? I'll give you two ways. Number one, by obeying them. In Ephesians 6.1, Paul applies the fifth commandment this way. He says, children, obey your parents. And that o- word obey is a Greek word that means literally to listen under. You are to get under the authority of your parents, and you are to listen, hear, respond. You say, well, how much of what my parents say should I obey? Paul answers that in Colossians 3.20, where he says, Children, be obedient to your parents. Here it comes. In all things. Makes it pretty simple. There's no, not a whole lot of calculating there. Not a whole lot of debating there. You are to obey your parents in everything. The only exception I could see is if they tell you to do something that is morally wrong. They say, Go rob the 7-Eleven. Draw the line there. Otherwise, you are to obey your parents. And then the second part of that is you are to respect them. Obedience is the action. Respect is the attitude. It's the way you obey. Do you ever obey your parents with a bad attitude? That's not honoring. You're not to obey them grudgingly and grumpily and belatedly. You are to respect them, which means you obey them willingly, pleasantly, and immediately. You say, but Dan, I'm a teenager now. i me point something out to you. The, the word Paul uses in Ephesians 6 for children is not the word for babies. There was a Greek word for that. He didn't use it. He didn't use the word for little children because there was a word for that. He didn't use it. He used a much more general word, and the word really means offspring. So I think as we apply this, we have to say that this would be any child who is still under the roof of their parent. If you are living under the roof of your parent, you are to obey them. If you are dependent on your parent for food, clothing, shelter, insurance, they have the right to call the shots in your life. And you are to obey them with respect. That's honoring your father. Second stage of life is a young adult. This is the stage when you've moved out of your parents' house. You're no longer dependent on them. You're carving out your new home. How do you honor your father and mother as a young adult? Two ways. Number one, by accepting them. The older you get, the more clearly you start to see your parents' faults and their hang-ups. I heard one guy say that his parents had more hang-ups than the phone company. Well, with all their hang-ups, you are to accept. say well Dan why should I accept my parents I didn't have a choice neither did they God made that choice and he put you in the exact home he wanted you to be in and you are to honor your parents by accepting them as God's given gift to you to raise you how do you accept it? It's just a few ways. Number one, by realizing that God used them to bring you into the world. Regardless of their parenting skills, you owe them your life because you wouldn't be here without them. And by the way, if you're adopted, your parents did choose you so you owe them even more. Because with eyes wide open, they voluntarily and sacrificially stepped into that role. When's the last time you as a young adult said to your parents, Dad, Mom, I wouldn't have wanted anybody for parents, but you? second way you accept them is by listening to what they have to say. At this stage of life, you're no longer committed to do what they say, but you need to listen to what they say. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. You are to listen to them and not despise what they say. When you have a major decision to make in life, you honor your parents by going and saying, what do you think about it? I love what Mark Twain said. He said, when I was 14 years old, my father was so ignorant. I hated to have the old man around. But when I was 21 years old, I was astonished to see how much my father had learned in only seven years. Let me give you a third way. And this may be very important to some of you. You accept your parents by forgiving them. By forgiving them. The sad fact of life is that we often hurt the ones we love the most. Sometimes intentionally. Intentionally. Oftentimes unintentionally. Today, the pattern is to lay on a couch and pay hundred dollars an hour to blame your parents for all. If they hadn't done this, if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't be the mess I am today. Blame, blame, blame. You know what the Bible says? Proverbs twenty twenty: if a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in the dark. A man who blames his parents is just snuffing out his own light. Bitterness is self-destructive. And it always hurts you more than the person you're bitter to. And I am certain as I talk to a crowd this large that there are some of you who are carrying unfinished business with your parents. And even as I bring up that idea, even as I mention it, there's kind of a well of emotion that comes up inside of you because you haven't resolved something with your parents. You don't honor their sin. You don't honor what they did wrong to you, but you honor their position in your life. You honor them as your parents. And in this context, the way that you honor them is to forgive. Stop blaming and start forgiving. And then a the second way you honor your parents as a young adult is by appreciating them appreciate. Deuteronomy 26, 11 says, you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household. When you think about your family, when you think about your parents, what can you rejoice in? What can you appreciate? Let me suggest some things. Number one, appreciate their effort. Parenting is difficult. Parenting is overwhelming. I sit in my office and look out in the parking lot and I see some of you young mothers pull up in the car and you got three or four kids there and you're trying to get them all out of those little car seats and some of them are running off across the parking lot and you're trying to corral them and I think, that's work. That's why I don't come out and help you. That's work. Have you ever considered how much easier your parents' life would have been if they didn't have you? I've got six kids. Five of them are out of the house. When I wake up before the alarm clock goes off, and I can't get back to sleep because something's gnawing inside of me, 90% of the time It's that concern for one of my kids. It's hard to a parent. You know, when you cut down a tree, people who know about trees can tell a lot about a tree by the rings. And each ring represents a year, and they say if it's a really thin ring, it was a stressful year. Or if it ever got hit by lightning, you can see the effect on the ring because it was traumatized I think in parents that shows up as gray hair people would ask my mom is that lady Claire all and she'd say no that's my son Danny and this is the time he broke the neighbor's window and this is the time he almost drowned in that creek bed and this is the time he told the car stress when's the last time you were thankful parents. are just putting up with them. So appreciate their effort. Second, appreciate their sacrifice. Parenting is costly. The economics alone are staggering. It's been estimated that to raise a child to maturity today costs a parent a quarter of a million dollars. It's been said that a father is someone who carries pictures where he used to carry money. One family was having a family portrait, and the photographer said, well, why don't you put your hands in your pockets this time to make it look more natural? And the father spoke up and said, why don't you have my kids put their hands in my pockets to make it look more natural? When a couple chooses to have kids, they are choosing to do without some other things. What could your parents have afforded if they hadn't spent that money? For clothes, for school, for doctor's bills, for braces? And then the third stage of life is as an adult. This is when your parents or grandparents and great-grandparents How do I honor my parents as an adult? Let me suggest two ways. Number one, by affirming them. Sadly, older people today get very little affirmation. Many of their friends who affirm them have already died. They no longer get affirmation in the marketplace for their skills and wisdom because they're retired. And their grown children are often so preoccupied with their own families they're not affirming them. We honor our parents by affirming them. How do you do that? Stay in touch. Write them a card. Give them a call. Write a letter. Send an email. Let them know that you want them to share in the details of your life. One of the saddest experiences I've had is going to a nursing home. and meeting with a mother or a father who tells me about their prosperous, surviving children who rarely, if ever, visit. We honor our parents by keeping in touch. I heard about an 80-year-old lady who, on her 80th birthday, went to her lawyer to settle her will and she wanted to add a couple to Couple items. She said, first of all, I want to be cremated, and secondly, I want the ashes scattered over Bloomingdale's. Lawyer looked up and said, Why Bloomingdale's? And she said, Then I'll be sure that my daughters will visit me twice a week. We affirm them by staying in touch. Let me give you a second way you affirm them by listening to their counsel. Their years of experience and wisdom are family treasure. You need to be taking advantage of that and allowing your children to take advantage of that as well. Moses did that by listening to the counsel of his father-in-law. Ruth did that by listening to the counsel of her mother-in-law. Listen to their counsel. Thirdly, live out their instruction live out their instruction. You bring honor to your parents by your character and your reputation. Proverbs 23, 24 says, the father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. One of the ways you affirm your parents is by your lifestyle, your character, which brings affirmation. And then the second way you and I are to honor our parents as an adult is by providing for them. The word honor carries with it the idea of financial support. In fact, Jesus quoted this fifth commandment in Mark chapter 7 to show that adult children are to provide financially for their aged parents. Listen, when you're parents are too old to care for themselves, it's not the government's responsibility. When they're too old to care for themselves, it's not the church's responsibility. It's your responsibility. And that's the cycle of the family. At one stage of life, they changed your diapers. They fed you, they bathed you, they clothed you, they cared for you. At another stage of life, often those roles reverse. And you may need to feed, bathe, clothe, and care for them. What an honor to give back to them what they've already given to you. That's honoring your father and your mother. You know, when Jesus hung on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, he only said seven. And out of those seven things, one of them was, John, take care of my mother. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, knowing that he was leaving, he was caring about his mother and honoring her. You are to honor your father and mother. As a child, obey and respect. As a young adult, accept and appreciate As an adult, affirm and provide for them. In closing, let me speak to you if you're a parent here today. I'll give you four ways you can make it easier for your children to honor. Four simple ways. Number one, by loving them. By loving them. How do you communicate that? You say it. You can't tell them too often that you love them. Write it in a card. Write it on a note and put it in their lunchbox. Text them. I, I, I send a group text to all six of my kids. I love you. And then I wait for the returns. Get about an 80%. Say it with your words. Say it, say it, say it, say it. You can't say it enough. second, say it with your touch. I usually hate bumper stickers, but I kind of like the one that says, have you hugged your kid today? Because it's a reminder that they need a hug every day, and oftentimes we hug our kids when they're little and we stop when they get a little bigger. I think they need to hug more when they get a little bigger, when they start to go, oh, mom, don't, don't do that. They need a hug. When the prodigal son came home, what did his father do? It says he fell on his neck and kissed him. He was saying, I love you. I love this description from Annie Gillard's book, The Living. His wife laughed at his jokes. His mother waited on him. His red-haired daughter rode on his shoulders and bounced her heels in his heart. Say you love them with your touch. And then say it with your time. All the words in the world won't communicate your love if you're not there. You say I love you to your kids by being at the school play. You say I love you to your kids by being at the piano beside. You say I love you to your kids by being at the league Game. You say I love you to your kids by playing horse in the driveway. Way back in the August 11th, 1997 issue of Sports Illustrated. There was an article about Pete Rose, Jr. He was asked by reporters, what's it like being Pete Rose's son? And without hesitation came the standard reply. There isn't anybody prouder of his father than me. And nobody prouder to have his same name. The man's the hit king. Who wouldn't be honored to be the son of one of the greatest baseball players ever? But what he didn't tell reporters was this. Pete Rose, Jr. was, at that point in time, 27 years old. He was playing in his ninth minor league season. He had played organized baseball since he was five years old. And his father had attended fewer than ten of his games and left most of those before they were. In fact, in 1988, Pete Jr.'s Cincinnati team won the American Legion World Series. And Big Pete didn't even know it until a reporter told him 10 years later. Petey, as he was called, was 15 years old that day in September 1985 when Big Pete passed Ty Cobb to claim the record for the most hits ever. He watched it happen from the Reds' dugout. And here's how the article describes that moment. Almost against his will, Petey raced out to meet his dad, eyes blinking against the storm of camera flashes lighting the stadium. The father, who never showed emotion, stood at first base, sobbing into an open hand. I was afraid he was going to tell me to get back into the dugout, says his son. But when I got up to him, he threw his arms around me. And then he said yes. That was the first time he ever heard. It's no surprise that he ends the article this way. Pete Jr. says, I've decided that if you have to do what my dad did to be the greatest ever, then I don't want to be. I've decided I'd much rather be the greatest father the world than the greatest all. But to do that, we have to love our kids. And then secondly, we have to lift them. Lift them. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. That word exasperate means discourage them, push them down, step on them. Why does he warn fathers not to do that? Because we typically do that. How do you exasperate your kids? How do you discourage your kids? Just be unpleasable. Have standards way up here that they can't reach and frustrate. Or try to make them just like you. Let me tell you something, we don't need another you. How do we keep from discouraging our kids? We encourage them to be who God has called them to be, to develop their skills and become who they are supposed to be in this world. I love the story of the little boy who was coming down the street Ball cap on and his bat and his ball and came down the street and he'd stop and throw the ball up in the air and swing and miss and he'd say I'm the greatest hitter in the world pick the ball up walk further down the street, try again miss I'm the greatest hitter in the world pick up the ball, he continued down the street this way until finally he threw the ball up, swung and missed thought for a moment picked up the ball and said I guess I'm the greatest pitcher. Ever. I think we need that kind of logic as parents. Find something in our kids to encourage. And start applauding those things. We love them. We lift them. I'll give you a third way. We limit them. When an umpire is a good umpire, he makes sure that the foul lines are straight and clear. He's sure that he knows the rules. He enforces the rules. And most importantly, he's consistent. He calls the same pitch a strike and a ball every time. And when he does that, he sets the players free to play the game. When he's inconsistent... When he calls the same pitch, a strike this time and a ball the next, what happens? Chaos, confusion, and conflict. And I would suggest in the same way, it takes consistent restrictions to set your children free. Your child needs limits, and they need to know that those limits are consistent. See, when your your child is going to push against the limits, we all do. when they push against the limits and today it doesn't move and tomorrow it moves you know what they experience insecurity but when they come to those limits and they're consistent they don't move every time they experience security you liberate your children by limiting them and let me tell you something if you don't conquer your child's will, someone else will. How do you make it easy for them to honor you? You love them. You lift them. You limit them. One more thing. You lead them. Proverbs 22, six says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not enough to teach your children. You have to train your children. I played basketball. I didn't learn how to play basketball by going to the library and reading. I learned to play basketball because someone showed me and coached me. And that's what we're to do as parents. We are to show our children by our example. And we are to coach them through the experiences of life. And when you do that, they will follow you. Not because you're perfect, but because you're real. And you're there. And you're investing in their life. In 1993 they remodeled the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, and as the workers were moving some display cases, they found that someone had slipped something down in the crevice between two of the display cases. It was a photograph of a man with a bat on his shoulder in his softball uniform that said, Sinclair Oil. Stapled to the picture was a note, and scribbled on the note, it said you were never too tired to play ball. On your days off, you helped build the little leap field. You. you always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. Wouldn't you like to be a Hall of Fame dad? Wouldn't you like to be a Hall of Fame mom? A parent to whom you're kids find it easy to show honor they can by loving them lifting them limiting them and we're going to close our service by taking communion together and I think it's a great opportunity to honor our heavenly father today And remember how much he loved us enough to give his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. I'm going to pray and we're going to take communion together. As we do, I just want to remind you that no matter what your mistakes in the past are, continues to lift us. He want to reform us and make us people who are different. So don't dwell on your mistakes other than confessing things. Let's start looking forward to being who God wants us to be in the various relationships of our life, whether it's as parents or children, to be all that God wants us to be. Father, thank you. For the challenge of your word and the way it convicts us. Lord, we all feel that. We all fail. But we know that longing in our heart that we want to be better at this. We want to improve. We want to do it right. And so we thank you for the cross, which is the place where we find forgiveness and healing and restoration. And peace and grace. Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts and help us to build this foundation of family that affects all the other relationships of life. And Father, we'll do it by your grace. We give you thanks today for Jesus. You paid the price to me.